0: IFM 101.9 MHz of Life.
1: Well, good afternoon to you This is the DL Link Show Where we connect you through insights, information and illumination On 101.9 High FM I'm Nikki Seberini Delighted to be with you um, We once again have a fantastic show Once again we bring you people who face adversity And rise in the process And really the DL Link Show shows us Just how resilient we are as human beings How we are over uh, able to overcome come difficulties in our life and go beyond that. The incredible thing that we get to see week in and week out is when we are faced with challenges um, how we come out the other side so much better for it and so often give back. Um, So our next guest, you know, it's very possible that you've seen her on social media. I certainly have. I was um, brought, she was brought to my attention when I was going through, I think it was Facebook and I saw saw this video of a beautiful woman. Um, she was sitting on the floor with her dog next to her... Um, And her leg exposed. And what caught my eye was this big scar on her leg. And and then she started to sing. And um, obviously her and and it was the beautiful words and her magnificent voice. But it was the words, her message that was um, written down that really caught my attention. And she starts off and she says, I'm about to sing to you with a tongue that was rebuilt from bone and muscle from my leg. And then she proceeds to tell her story, um, and it's just so incredible, and we are so delighted um, to have Ellie Brown on the show today. She is a singer, a speaker, and yes, she is a cancer survivor. Ellie, welcome. It is wonderful to have you on the DL Link show. Thank you. It's wonderful to be there. Thank you. So, Ellie, you've had an incredible journey. Um, perhaps you can share um, with our audience how you first came to uh, be diagnosed with uh, a tongue, uh, the tumor on your tongue, and what the journey was from there.
2: Oh, yes. So, I've always had an autoimmune disorder that affected my tongue, called lichen planets And... That gave me a lot of pain and inflammation ever since I was young. So I had had that for over 20 years. Oh, wow. And I saw an oral surgeon pretty regularly and uh, I was having some pain um, that was more than usual. And I went into my oral surgeon right after Christmas. It must have been the beginning of 2017. And he put on a glove and he examined my time and he said, Oh wow, I don't like the look of that <laughs> So sure. not something you want to hear from your oral surgeon but um but that's when he found it. <laughs>
1: and you i mean at that stage of your life you're a performer you were singing with an a cappella group you're a model you know you were building yourself up and really everything was going so incredibly well in your life so to be told that oh, um, that was, you have cancer must have turned everything around for you right
2: it did i was living my dream life and i was traveling with my a cappella group and and I was modeling for different clothing companies and I was doing a lot of on-term hosting as well. And um, perhaps the most exciting project I had been a part of at that time was a episode one of Rise of the Catwoman. And it, it was going to be a, a fan film series um, about that story. So uh, they had gotten Lee Merriweather to play uh, the older version of Selena and it was just a really ambitious and exciting project and when um when they when i re- and that was around the time that my cancer had actually returned so um just uh, so many incredible things had been going on in my life,
1: mm. and when
2: I got the first diagnosis, they just took the lump out, yeah, and I changed a bit, but they hadn't been doing any further treatment so Really, for me, I, I sort of tried to move on with my life, but then, after we shot episode one of Catwoman a year later, uh, the pain was unbearable. And, um I had had a scan that had come back clear, but there was, there was some mistake. I had an aggressive cancer, sure. and by the time they got oxygen, the tumor was three, three centimeters, uh, wide sure. and it was it was uh, wrapped around a bundle of nerves. So that was very that was very scary and I knew
1: that I would have to have a surgery that would change my life. Sure. And so, as you said, a life-changing surgery, um, you know, you, you heard in my introduction seeing this video of you, this beautiful woman sitting there um, with this dog, and what caught my eye was the scar on your leg the, by your shin and calf area. So, they took bone and skin. Again, can you just expand? I mean, what, what, what was involved in this kind of surgery? Absolutely.
2: So... In order for them to remove the tumor and the left-inclinus tissue, they would have to take the left side of my tongue. And they wanted to take about 50%, so half of it. Mm -hmm. And along with that, my doctor at UCLA noticed that the tumor was right up against my jawbone, which was in his margin. So he suggested that in order to cover all of our bases, we remove some of that bone from my uh, fibula. Sure. And so they took bone from my leg and muscle from my leg. They gave it its own blood supply in my mouth and they rebuilt my tongue and my jaw. Sure. And it's, it's really a, a bit of a miracle. Mm. Um, It was a a very slow recovery. I had to be on a feeding tube that they inserted in my tummy during the surgery, and it took me a while to learn how to walk again and how to be active. Um, But once I was, once I got out of that wheelchair and I got on my walker, it wasn't too long before I was...
1: Nothing without that, and I haven't looked back ever since. <laughs> just, incre- I mean, you're talking about it's, it's a huge surgery, because just to remove that from your leg, that's huge. Then, as you said, the, the reconstruction of the tongue, the bones, huge. In- Knowing that your career has been turned upside down, your tongue, this is what you use to sing, to perform, and you're a model, and it's going to affect how you look. It's just on so many levels, and yet, Ellie, you have got a YouTube channel, you exude gratitude, you exude warmth, you exude support, positivity, and I've just got to ask the question that I'm sure so many people are asking, how did you get there? It couldn't have been easy when you had such painful surgery to recover, not knowing if you would be able to sing again. How did you do it?
2: Uh, I did it with my faith, and I, all, I, all I know for sure is that every day, even though I was afraid, there was this voice in my head whispering just right into my ear saying, just wait, just wait, you're going to be okay. Wow. You, you might even be better than you ever were before." Just breathe it out. Just get through today. If you can get through today, we'll see what tomorrow brings. If you see what tomorrow brings, maybe you can see what the next day brings. And it was the Holy Spirit, Nikki. Mm. It's, it's the only thing it, it should be. And I leaned hard on the Holy Spirit while this was happening to me because there, there, was, there was always a sense that... Even though I didn't know the hows and the whys and the wheres and the what's, I knew that I would not only be okay, but that it would get way better and maybe even better than ever. Sure. And I think because that expectation was in my head, that has just been the, the driving force of of my life and of the content and of the advocacy. I found a community of people. I mean, everyone knows someone who's been diagnosed with breast cancer. Yeah. But oral cancer is so lonely.
1: Yeah.
2: And I, I didn't know anyone when, at the time that I was diagnosed. And there's so many other people out there like that who are listeners. There's a person who's like them and they don't know where to find them. Mm. So that's what the channel is about. And I hope that if if nothing else, people get the treatment they need and they grow to understand that their lives can be really amazing if they open their hearts to that possibility. Hmm. Because when you get so sick it's very easy to think that your life is over
1: mm. and
2: that the fun is over and that the joy is over. And it, it's simply not true.
1: Yeah. Wow. Um, Ellie, we're going to have a very quick break. Please stay with us so we can continue to hear your extraordinary story.
0: IFM, fm 101.9 megahertz of life.
1: Welcome back, and thank you so much for staying with us. I'm Nikki Seberini. This is the DL Link Show, where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. Um, We always have the privilege of having warriors on the show who are able to share their experiences with us. Sometimes when we listen to the journey, I certainly know that's my experience. I go to a place of, oh, my goodness, where did they find the strength? How did they do it? And we get to hear how they found the strength. And the same goes with our our guest today, Ellie Brown, singer, speaker, survivor. Um, she's a freelance performer and writer living in Las Vegas. And in May of 2018, she had a life-altering surgery for oral cancer that completely changed the direction of her career. And just before the break, Ellie, you were talking about having, it was faith that you got you through, um, that you've started this YouTube channel, that you said oral cancer is such a lonely kind of cancer because we all have heard of the breast cancers and other cancers, but oral cancer, not not so much. And so you've started this channel, and it's not just for people who have oral cancer, but for any, anyone, I think, anyone who's going through any kind of challenge in life. And you spoke about the Holy Spirit getting you through this, but you also spoke about surrendering, that the how, why, where, and what um, wasn't important. It was that you really just surrendered, and you knew that it was going to be okay. And we look at so many areas of life when people talk about surrendering to something greater. So, Ellie, I, I want to ask you, was that something that you always lived by, the surrendering to something greater, or was that something really that came to you when you were facing such a huge challenge?
2: Oh, no. Uh It certainly was the largest challenge I'd ever faced, but I had a lot of practice because um, back in two thousand. Thirteen, uh, I had been married for nine years, and my husband left me. Sure. And um, it, it, the the story is complicated, but at the time, I I felt like my world had completely fallen apart. Mm-hmm. And I had begun practicing some things at the time that really changed my mental state. Uh, one of those things was. I yoga, and while I was doing the yoga, um, it, it just really helped me erase those messages of "I'm I'm I'm alone, I'm afraid, I can't do it" into messages of God is protecting me. I am okay. Mm. The Holy Spirit is with me. Mm. There's there's nothing that can happen to me today that isn't a gift. For me mm. and so I, I didn't understand really what why I, I needed to go through that but now having gone through the, the larger surgery and really facing the possibility of death um, I understand that perfectly why I was put to that trial and I'm I, I accept it and I'm, I'm grateful for it uh, because it's it's never a thing that you you master it's an ongoing relationship it's a practice yeah. with God and um and it taught me so much about how to just settle myself and allow events to unfold without making myself sicker with anxiety mm. and the fear mm. and how to channel the energy I was feeling into something that could possibly help someone else. You know, this world is full of people who are searching for something. Yeah. And they don't always know how to find it. And Mm. so if we can come together and find other people that have gone through what we've gone through, that is a game changer. Joining those forums or, or going out to classes and or even just going online, if you put yourself out there and look for the people who understand what you've been through and what you're feeling, you can come out on top, Mm. and not just on top, but Mm. with a feeling of
1: empowerment and and strength. Um, we, we talk about being able to cultivate happiness from within, and absolutely one of the, the recipes is um, being of service and helping others. And um, you know that we, we so often see with 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 cancer worries, with people who have gone through adversity, that very often they do come through the other side, um, as is your experience, wanting to extend themselves and be of service and help others. Um, it's it's the gift of the journey.
2: Oh yes, my you know my mama always says that if you want to feel better, you have to get busy helping somebody else, and I I think that she's totally right. And yeah. there's a lot of ways to do that, especially now with the internet, mm-hmm. because some people genuinely. I, I'm not one of these people. I I love being in front of people and face to face, but some people genuinely don't uh, like to go go out of their homes or maybe they're they're a bit shy but on the internet it's a little bit easier to reach out to other people like you especially if you're maybe self-conscious about the way you look mm. and I, I never could have predicted the wonderful community of people I've met who are experiencing the problems that come from this sort of cancer and not all of them are Necessarily, people who have battled cancer. You know, I, I've been able to connect with people that have speech impediments, people that have had a stroke and and have trouble speaking, people that have lots of different types of scars and skin conditions, and and um, anything you can think of, really. Mm-hmm. And what what it is to be able to find those people, and I'm I'm just so thankful for Facebook. Mm-hmm. Facebook has Opened up the
1: world
2: to me, truly, mm. the entire globe. And um and, and so what if my voice sounds like this now? Yeah. If, if it makes me able to connect with more people,
1: mm.
2: then let it be.
1: Mm. So I, I want to speak more to that, if that's okay, Ellie, because we do live in a society where, you know, the way we look, the attachment to things, to brands is, it's more prevalent than it's ever been, really. Um, and we put a lot of emphasis, and especially with the celebrity culture, this yearning to look a certain way. Um, and, you know, we just have to look at it in the, the, the aesthetics and getting older and how difficult that is. So anyway, the physical aspect and how we look is important. Um, well, certainly for some people. Um, and, you know, you're physical and you are a beautiful, beautiful woman. And your, your physical appearance has always been something that has worked for you as You've said being a model um, Being able to perform, being Catwoman, woman um, And then you have this kind Of operation and you have these scars On your face Now you've spoken about um, Your connection with God You've spoken about having a greater purpose And all of that, but for you After the operation, was there the fear What's going to happen to me Am I going to still be attractive Will people still find me attractive Maybe you can talk us through that And, and really let's unpack the physical aspect of that
2: Absolutely. Well, to, to give your listeners an idea of what happened to my face, uh, they had to cut from the middle of my bottom lip all the way down my chin into my neck and up around to my left ear. So there's a very large, they call it a guillotine star because it's as though you had your neck, <laughs> you know, um, flights, really, oh. uh, which they had to do in, or, in order to access the tumor. So they opened me up there and, and flipped that up, and they actually pulled some of my teeth out as well in order to do the operation. So, wow. so yes, that my my face is very different. My legs are very different, permanently starved for life. But it, it's such an interesting thing, Nikki, because... When I started to do the work of changing my inner monologue mm-hmm. about the way I felt, mm-hmm. um, because after the surgery, my face was swollen, and uh, everything was just large, and I couldn't watch, and I, I didn't feel beautiful, but I look back at some short videos I took at that time, and I i see my spirit coming through my eyes i'm the same me Mm. i'm the same person yeah and those things they they evolved over time and some of them will be permanent but when you begin to take beautiful pictures of your stars and say to yourself these are beautiful and i accept them and i'm grateful for them And this magical thing happens, which isn't magical at all. Mm. It's, it's logical and it's, it's the way that your brain responds to this gratitude in your heart Mm. and, and it's a miracle the way that we are programmed. And when you, when you do that and you begin to change the way you speak to yourself and you speak to yourself with kindness Mm. and with love and with not an arrogance, but an admiration for what you have been through. And you're able to say to yourself, you did it. It's, this is great. You should celebrate. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>
1: oh, begin to see oh,
2: your stars as really lovely. And mm. I, I wouldn't trade them, Nikki. I oh. wouldn't.
1: Oh, People Illy. write to
2: me all the time and they want to send me Star
1: Cream. And I, I say, no, I don't want any. Uh. <laughs> I don't, I love myself now. Oh, what a, what a beautiful, beautiful message and continue with that message because, oh, it's a, it's a wonderful thing to be able to look at yourself and really with kindness and compassion, accept everything and love everything. It's not, it's just, it's, it's a, it's to, to come home and to love oneself is so, so very precious. It's a, it's beautiful, Ellie, really. Let me, yeah, sorry. Absolutely. I think it's
2: so hard. It's something that, uh, it's really a human thing. I I think men and women do deal with it, but especially for women, when you go through something like this, I I feel like you really, there's a fear that you'll lose your femininity. Mm. And trust me, when I say your, your femininity does not revolve around whether or not your skin is perfect, it truly doesn't. Mm. It's a, it's a feeling. It's the way that you treat people yeah. and, and the way that you, you, you nurture the people around you. So I just wouldn't want, if someone in your audience was hearing this and they had stars that they were feeling self-conscious about or, or perhaps they have to have a procedure and they're worried about it, I would say start now, just loving yourself through it and loving on those stars, accepting them, lifting them up, never in an arrogant way, but in a way that you say, I've been through some things and I can help someone now.
1: Mm what what does the future hold for you besides having this YouTube channel where people can go to and watch your videos um are you and i mean your voice we I've watched your videos you're still singing magnificently, but in terms of career and future oh. where where are you going
2: Oh Nikki, i'm I never could have predicted it, but I am so excited <laughs> about the future uh the the Creation of the content is my passion because that's how I connect with people. Uh-huh. But so many wonderful opportunities have popped up ever since this happened. You know, when I was living in Los Angeles and I was trying to be an actor, um, there were so many posts for, for real people. Yeah. Real people. Yeah. And I, I didn't know how what they would really want with me, because I I didn't feel that I had enough of a a life story to offer.
1: Sure.
2: And since this has happened, so many have reached out to have me be a part of something bigger that they're doing. I I was able to be a part of a music video, just playing myself. Mm -hmm. And I joined another group of of women that are just extraordinary. You know, Mm -hmm. they're ordinary women doing extraordinary things. And we, we were part of this beautiful message of empowerment and loving yourself as you are. And, uh, then I, I was able to, uh, join a podcast with a lovely woman from the UK who runs a movement called the Women of Contribution. Hmm. And I'm going to be in volume three of her anthology. So I'm going to be writing wow. my story and wow. contributing it to Facebook. And, um, and, of course, I'm working on my own book as well with my coach here in Las Vegas. And I'm developing my public speaking program. So sure. soon I will be touring and spreading my message live and getting to meet some of the people that I've interacted with online. And I I could not be more excited about what's happening. I'm sure. And uh, there's even been talks that, Maybe there's room in in this Catwoman project to go ahead and finish it with someone like me, because there has been an emphasis in Hollywood on using real people mm. with real physical challenges, uh-huh. and I, I I would be so happy to do that. You know, I wow. think ultimately my north star is to be able to show people that my dreams haven't gone away at all i'm mm. still able to be an actor and still able to speak and use my voice and i don't want anyone to curl up and twitch mm. if something bad happens to them i want them to take that thing that happened and use it to soar into the future
1: hmm. wow What a message. Ellie, um, I'm sure so many people are intrigued and interested and they want to find out more about you. How do they find your YouTube channel? They can
2: find my YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash Ellie Brown, E-L-L-Y-B-R-O-W-N. And they can also watch my show on Facebook Watch at the Ellie Brown Show.
1: Okay. Wonderful. Ellie, what a pleasure it has been having you on the show. Um, You've inspired me. I'm sure you've inspired many of our listeners. How wonderful. We wish you all the very, very best. And uh, we hope you're going to join us again um, just to continue with your inspiring story. What a joy. Thank you so much, Ellie. Uh, Thank
2: you for having me, Nithi.
1: It's such a pleasure. Do take care, um, the wonderful Ellie Brown, singer, speaker, survivor. Um, watch her on Facebook, her YouTube channel, Ellie Brown, E L L Y B R O W N, and be ready to be inspired.
0: Hi FM, one hundred and one point nine megahertz of life.
1: Well, welcome back to the DL Link Show, where we connect you through insights, information, and illumination. Um, we Today's focus is on oral head and neck cancer, um, which really is very interesting because, as our previous guest said, she found that oral cancer was a lonely cancer in that she didn't know of many other people who had suffered the way she had. So we have Professor Professor Joss Hiller. Um, he's a professor and head of uh, discipline the Department of Oral and maxillofacial head and neck pathology at the University of the Western Cape. Um, Professor welcome, thank you so much for joining us today.
0: Good morning to you and all the listeners.
1: So you know, Professor, you know so often we talk about the cancers I know certainly on our show we often talk about breast cancer prostate cancer lung cancer, brain tumors these are the cancers that we talk about and very very seldom um, do we even look at um, oral head and neck cancer and as I was saying our previous um, guest was diagnosed she had this tumor on her tongue she had to undergo a tremendous amount of surgery um, and she Said that she did find oral cancer a, a very lonely cancer. That she there weren't many people that she could connect with who were going through a similar journey. Perhaps you can talk to that um, a, a little bit more about oral head and neck cancer. What is it and 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 um, yeah, how how prevalent is it? Yeah,
0: well, of course, yeah, I can actually totally find myself in the comments of your patient. Um, now, for females, oral cancer is not as common as for males. Um, okay. Especially all over the world and in this country And uh, if you compare the ranking of oral cancer uh, Amongst males in the world In terms of importance or number of cancers that affect them Oral cancer, interestingly enough, is the sixth most common cancer That affects males Wow, okay After, prost- after prostate, colon, lung um, And... Uh, stomach cancer, and also in this part of the world, esophageal cancer, cancer of the gullet. Mm-hmm. Whereas in females, uh, this is a lot lower, and that's mainly because uh, females tend to suffer much more from breast cancer and cervical cervix cancer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then, and, and that actually pushes the oral cancer rates a bit down in, in their category, and they are less affected as well. But that's because of the habits
1: so I'm thinking I mean in terms of um, being diagnosed with with some type of oral cancer, so are, are you feeling a lump are you feeling how would, how would one know that um, something is wrong and, and that one would need to go for a checkup?:
0: Well, that is a very difficult question. Uh, oral cancer can present in many different forms, mm-hmm. and obviously, in order to save lives, we are very interested in, in, in the early forms and how we can educate our patients to notice if something is wrong or even educate our colleagues to actually diagnose it early. But it's very difficult. Um, most people will notice that there is a problem with a pimple that doesn't want to heal in the tongue or in the cheeks or in the back of the throat, uh, or they have some tingling sensation or a pain or a little ulcer that doesn't want to go away. And uh often it gets ignored uh because it's not seen as being uh ominous mm-hmm. enough by most of the practitioners and patients get treated with uh anti-fungal <laughs> treatment, antibiotics and then often the cancer progresses until it really becomes a problem uh. where there is uh deterioration of speech or there's pain and um and then the patients are referred to, to either a hospital or a, or a, or a specialized clinic.
1: So you, as you said, I mean, it's a challenge because, um, because of the symptoms are, 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 are so varied. Um, and you're not, as I said, yes. with, with breast, breast cancer, yeah. uh, besides going for the mammogram and the early detection, you can feel the actual lump. Yeah. So, so what do you yeah. do for, for, because the early detection is really key. Um, so, I mean, would you be looking at a dentistry? Would dentists be looking out for certain things right. if we're looking specifically at oral cancer? How, how do you, um, move forward with, with an early detection program for example
0: well this is a very good question you're asking so <clears throat> let's say uh, the awareness of oral cancer in more uh, first world country uh, Europe and America in particular is that the dental profession and also the medical profession to a lesser extent is geared towards uh, I would say uh, scanning for early oral cancer, Okay. because it's an incentive uh, based on the fact that uh, there's a lot of litigation going on in those countries. So doctors are very scared to actually make mistakes. So anything that's actually slightly abnormal in the oral cavity, uh, dentists will take action. They will do a screen. Um, which they can charge a patient for which is perfectly normal mm-hmm. so they're not only looking at the, the, the teeth and the fillings and the crowns and whatever needs to be done from a dentistry point of view, they also look at the tissues around and so every half a year when patients go to the dentist they get uh they should get a a screen, which is meaning a good examination uh, all around under the tongue around around the uh the back of the throat, beneath the lips, wherever that you suspect that an oral cancer can occur. Okay. And uh, and then there is uh, cytology. There's been a break, breakthrough in cytology.
1: Yeah.
0: Whereas for the pap smear of steroid cancer in females, we now have developed a very accurate method for detecting oral, early oral cancer by using the same technology but applied to the mouth.
1: Wow. That's incredible. And that would be administered by a dentist and a GP? Yes. Yeah. Incredible. Absolutely incredible. Is that technology here in South Africa, Professor?
0: It is, uh, early stages. We okay. are about to roll out a campaign, uh, well, first of all, there's a private and then there's the public sector. Now the public sector has already got a campaign rolled out for cytology of the cervix mm. with the new, the new liquid based Pathology, which is a very accurate way of seeing the cells that are abnormal uh, for the oral cavity, uh, but in the states we're still waiting for the go ahead from the Department of Health to to implement that uh, for our indig- indigenous patients. Mm-hmm. Now, parallel to that, uh, in the in the private practice where liquid-based pathology for cervical cancer is now the norm we have uh, basically the opportunity to switch over and apply exactly the same to with a brushing performed by dentists very interesting and and and, and general practitioners hmm. and that uh, is a waiting rollout we're starting in the western Cape uh, this winter end of the winter and uh, we have to basically teach our our dentists who have been practicing for a while in medical Petitioners to um, to do it correctly, and mm-hmm. if it's done if it's done correctly, then it's very simple, and then it's it's a very accurate way of actually detecting if something is uh, is alive.
1: So, so that is that is more of the the oral cancer. Um, mm. w- what is what is the most common type of head and neck cancer?
0: It's oral cancer.
1: S- say that again.
0: It is oral cancer.
1: Is that all, is that all part of oral cancer?
0: Yeah. Tongue, tongue cancer is the most common form of head and neck cancer. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, in southern part of Africa, we also having high rates of, as I said, gullet cancer. Uh, and that has to do probably with uh, food, uh, food habits or maybe... Intoxication of the stored food by by fungus—we're not quite sure. It could
1: also sure. be a virus. Yes, I was I was actually reading an article, professor, about throat cancer, um, how it's increasing, and how they were doing research also on the relation. And I, I mean, I've got to be very careful here because I know very little about it, but perhaps you do about um, drinking home brewed beer and and the link with with um, with throat cancer. Have you heard anything?
0: About yeah it. we 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 are aware of it that yeah. that that's what is a um a vision of some some of the people especially in the indigenous areas The homebrew beer it itself uh is probably harmless yeah uh, but it could be that and but for oral cancer we know that it that is not a factor the alcohol is a factor, but usually it's the higher alcohol containing spirits together with smoking that are the main causes for for oral cancer.
1: Oh, smoking as well, hey?
0: At this stage. Oh, yeah, definitely smoking. Yeah. And we have a very high smoking rate in this country. Yeah. So uh, although we've seen a decline in the use of tobacco over the last, uh, let's say, 10 years because of the government actively trying to restrict the promotion of uh, cigarettes and tobacco. Um, so we've seen a, a slight decline in the use of the tobacco, and we've seen a slight decline in... The alcohol and so the, the straight smoking related oral cancer, but mm. we've seen an increase in a virus related cancer.
1: Virus related cancer, sure. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm going to say it again. We, we, we talk about when we talk about diet and we talk about drinking and smoking and we think of, um, the heart and we think of lungs. But when you think of mm. all areas and now we're bringing oral cancer into it, just once again, what we're ingesting that our surroundings, our environment, so very important. We just need to keep emphasizing. Um, yep. How important that is, Professor! What a pleasure yes. having you on the show. Thank you so much, and thank you for explaining it um, so well for our audience. We really do appreciate that.
0: Yes, you're welcome. So, they must every patient that is uh, worried about something in the mouth that's not right, they must go and contact their dentist. Yep. And or the general practitioner, and insist that the diagnosis is made by means of uh, a more accurate diagnosis, other than a clinical examination. Mm. So it is op- the, the 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 technology is available. And it is just that it's not widely spread, and hopefully in the next few years, uh, it will be much more common for dentists and doctors to do this routinely. Mm.
1: Very important message. Thank you, Professor. Thank you for joining You're us welcome. today. Really, we do appreciate it. Nice it. And thank you, you too. Bye, bye, Professor Jos Hiller, and he's the professor and head of the discipline of discipline at the Department of Oral and Max- Maxillofacial Head and Neck Pathology, and that's at the University of the Western Cape, and also World Health um, Organization Collaboration Centre for Oral Health, um, and um, just interesting stuff looking at the symptoms, and um, you know. We you don't want to become neurotic, um, but if you do have the sore in the mouth and it persists or you do have the sore throat and it persists and you're on antibiotics all the time, don't wait. Just take it to the next stage and, and go to your dentist or to your GP and have the the necessary tests. Wow, really very interesting. We're going to take a break and we'll be back. Stay where you are.
0: IFM 101.9 megahertz of life.
1: 101.9 High FM. Good afternoon, hope you're enjoying the show. I'm Nikki Seberini. This is the DL Link Show where we connect you through insights, information and illumination. And really, today we've been focusing on oral cancer, um, looking at all the stories, um, speaking to the professors, and yet another cancer hero in the studio today, um, Howard Butler, who has an extraordinary story to share with us. Howard, thank you for joining us. It's great to have you on the show show. Thanks
3: so much, Nikki. I appreciate the time and and the opportunity.
1: So we we were saying, um, talking about oral cancer, our first guest was saying that for her it was quite a lonely cancer because there were so few people she knew of who had had the oral cancer. The professor that we then spoke to said that it's far more prevalent in men um, and not as much in women. So for you, I mean, we don't really often hear of oral cancer, throat cancers, mouth cancers. Um, How were you diagnosed? I mean, had you heard about it before and... Can you just tell us what what the, the build-up to you being diagnosed?
3: Okay, so they, we, we got to, we got to, what, one thing we have to understand is is that. Oral cancer is part of a group of cancers known as head and neck cancers. Okay. In the rest of the world, those head and neck cancers are grouped as basically one cancer, which they call head and neck cancer. So if you look in America, you'll find actual groups that are set up specifically for head and neck cancers, mm-hmm. which include nasopharyngeals, these oral cancers, all these kinds of things. Mm-hmm. So so they all part, um, form part of, of, of head and neck cancer. Right. So oral cancer and things. So... My my specific cancer that I had in this type of cancer called head and neck cancer was actually diagnosed as a nasopharyngeal carcinoma, which means it was actually behind everything. So, so it wasn't in my mouth. It wasn't part of the the oral, uh, um, you know, your the, your gums or you know, lips or whatever. Tongle, it wasn't yeah. part of that area. Uh-huh. So it was all behind that. So in the nasopharyngeal area. So what happened was for almost 5 years i was battling with sinus and every time i went to a doctor the doctor said to me you have got acute sinus you must stop smoking you mustn't drink you must do all these things uh-huh. and you must live out there like yeah i'm working quite hard and it's quite difficult but yeah i'll try and cut down and then what they would do is they'd put me on um antibiotics and cortizone, give me cortisone and yeah, things like that right. and And I'd be on that for a while, and then I'd be better, and then a while later it will go back. And because my mother had died of cancer, um, towards the end when I was actually diagnosed, what happened was um, we actually asked a couple of doctors to test for cancer. So Mm -hmm. I did the blood tests and everything like that, and nothing came up. And so it was all fine, and I, I was battling with this. So I often tell people that it's quite a funny story. So... I, to get to my diagnosis, I went through five doctors, an iridologist, two specialists, and a witch doctor.
1: To, to be diagnosed, to yes. get the final diagnosis but, but, of this but, cancer. But
3: none of those guys found it. So all of them tried to find what was wrong with wrong. me, uh-huh. but none of them could find what was wrong with me. Uh-huh. And eventually, after I had been in in Botswana on business, I came back to South Africa, and I literally couldn't breathe. I mean, for six months before I was diagnosed, I was I was sitting up, I was sleeping at forty five degrees because I couldn't breathe when I was lying down. And I came back from Botswana, and a friend of mine she had had a nose operation by a doctor in um, at Saint um, Mary Clinic. Um, um, his name's he's now my official wimpy. Yeah. Um Dr. Raymond Friedman. Mhm. Uh-huh. The coolest guy. The wimpy. Um, I love that. Um yeah, I love him too bits. And um so he saved my life. Okay. He,
1: can I just ask you, had had you had a scan?
3: Um so th- so this is where the key comes in, okay? Is through five years not one doctor? referred me to any specialist to have a scan done on my You've head. You've got
1: acute sinus problems. It's yes. going on and on. At this stage, you can't even breathe, and you haven't had a scan.
3: No. and With all these And, and, and I'm at an ENT, ENT specialist that says to me, I have nasal polyps, and he wants to cut the nasal polyps out of my na- oh. nose. And oh I said to him, there's yes. no chance you're cutting on my face. Well, even on my head, there, there was there was no chance.
1: So, and Dr. Friedman.
3: So, yeah, so yes. Dr. Friedman, yeah. So, I went to him uh, this morning, I, and, and I walked in there, and, um, he like looked at me, he looked at me funny, and I started, he asked me, okay, so what's wrong? And he said, come sit on this chair, and he put the scan in, checked my nose, checked my larynx, everything like that, and he said to me, um, that was 10 o'clock in the morning, he said, you're going for a CT scan now.
1: Yeah.
3: Said, like in, I want you to have a CT scan within the next two hours.
1: Mm-hmm. Sure, that must have been a bit scary. Yeah and, yeah, and
3: what happened was I phoned my wife, Bernice, and I said to you, listen, i got to go and have the scan and everything like this, and, and we got it sorted, and literally I, I walked out of his um, surgery and walked down to um, the scanning department, paid for it, everything like that, and had the scan. That was on, if I remember correctly, I think that was the Tuesday, the Monday, no, no, I lied. It was the Friday. The Monday, he operated on me. Sure, okay. Because what the scan showed was freaky. So mm-hmm. it was like, this is not good. We, on the, on the Monday, he did a power um, on my, on my neck, because it looked like I had adult mumps. And actually one doctor treated me for adult mumps, but it wasn't adult mumps. It was actually the tumor that was pressing down the sides of my throat. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's how bad it was. so sure. big. Sure. And, and so what happened was, so we did the, the, um, the, the biopsy on the Monday and, um, yeah, and there was it. That was when you this was journey with Kenzie cancer. really started mm-hmm. because when he, when he came back in after the op, um, he said to me, he looked at me and he said to me, you know what it is? Eh? And I said, yeah, I know. And he said, okay, so we're going to nail this thing. I said, yeah, <laughs> let's do it. And, and that's when he introduced me to the most amazing team of doctors you've ever met in your life. Um, and, and that was, that was Prof. Dondi, Prof. Joseph um Professor Dale Howes, all these people, doctors, a group a team yeah, so, of doctors who so worked on A, a multidisciplinary team uh-huh. at, at Santon that, you know, the best guys in the world. Really? Literally. That's um, incredible. And, and, you know, even them, they they didn't think I was going to make it. They thought I'd, you know, one of the doctors that became like my best friend, old Dale Howes, um he, you know, he, he thought I wouldn't make a month. You
1: know, did he, they, did they tell you that at the time? Yeah,
3: he told me. He was the only guy that was, he, he was the only guy that actually told me. Mm-hmm. The rest of them were like, um they kind of like shunned away from it. Mm-hmm. Um I think it was a bit hectic for them. Uh, but Dale was like, and he said to me, hey listen, I'll be honest with you. I haven't seen anything like this. Um have you said your goodbyes and, uh, you know, you, you go, if you need to make right, you need to make right. says, so because I don't, this is really bad. And I said to him, "Listen, be honest with me. What do you think?" They so said to me, "Well, like this, if you, if you're able to do this and make a month, that's brilliant."
1: How many years ago was that?
3: That was in 2012. Wow. Yeah. So I'm seven years down the line.
1: Wow! Wow! And um, you said one month.
3: And and so and here you are. So snowball, I had after that, um I had six recurring incidents of cancer. So. So that one tumour, which was the size of a, a blown down football that was stuck in the back of my head. My goodness. Um they radiated We had chemo, we um I went from hundred and sixteen kilograms down to seventy two. She was. Um I and, and then after that we knew we'd have secondaries. So we had secondaries and we had we had parotid, we had base of brain, we had lung and we had bone.
1: Lung and bone? Yeah. As well.
3: Yes. So, so this is the you the, the crazy. All, so, so this is the crazy part. Is mm-hmm. like in. So, how does that happen, and, and all these kinds of things. And and when that happened was um, because um, Prof and, and and his team, or Prof uh, um, uh, Prof Dondi, Um because him and the team had, and Dr. Kia Tabani. She was my oncologist, the first black uh, woman oncologist. Mm-hmm. She's a star. Mm-hmm. She is like in also it's like just amazing, mm-hmm. and what I, what then happened was they said, "Okay, so you did really well on this weed killer, I called it the weed killer, yeah cisplatin is is one of the most poisonous chemo drugs in the world, um as far as i 'm concerned, but you know what it saved my life. it really did, mm-hmm. and um and then I went on that for about six months, and I got through all those cancers we got it away you know it 's a miracle that we got got that away. And then about a year and a half later, um, in two thousand sixteen I had this three and a half centimeter tumour that was next to my pituitary gland mm. that switched off my right eye. Yeah. And um yeah, you know, like I said, some doctors wanted us to, to, to shove needles through my my head and I said no and I went back to Prop Dondi and he, he sat across the table from me and he like looked at me and said, You know what we need to do? And I said, Yes. That was a Thursday, the Monday we started radiation. Which mm-hmm. meant when it went away and we got it and we killed, we killed that tumour, there was a three millimeter um, scar left over. I'd gone through, in all in all, I'd gone through 62 sessions of radiation. Oh my goodness. And, and more chemotherapy Gee, than it? you can imagine.
1: Wow, wow, wow. Let's take a break. Let's yeah. take a break.
3: So that's quite a bit. Gee,
1: that is, that is huge. That's huge. Let's take a break. We take a pause. We'll be
0: right <laughs> okay. back. Okay. IFM, 101.9 megahertz of life.
1: Welcome back to the DL Link Show. I have Howard Butley in the studio talking about first being diagnosed with cancer in 2012, 2019. Here he is looking fit, fighting, strong, but had six episodes of recurring cancer. Um, talking about the amount of chemo, the amount of radiation. Howard, you are incredible. You have this fighting spirit. There is nothing that's going to get you down. Where does that come from, and how do you gather that every single day when you know you know that the diagnosis could change just based on the experience that you have?
3: So I know it could come back any time. That's okay. What I learned out of this whole thing and this whole experience was, it's not about me. It's about the people I met on this journey. Mm-hmm. So, what gave me—I cried only three times yeah. in this whole thing. I cried when my taste came back, and when I was at a restaurant in Fourways when um, my wife had cut my um, the collar off my shirt because of the radiation and and the this big cut, it looked like someone had tried to strangle me. Yeah. And it was in public and, and people were pointing fingers and stinging at me mm-hmm. and I went to the bathroom and I cried and I, and then at that moment I knew what what parents that, that have got children that have issues, people that all, all kinds of people that are disabled. When people I had that feeling. That was the second time. Mm-hmm. The third time was when I realized was that if I was in Valcom in the free state, I would be dead. And if I was in Umtata and I had this same type of cancer. Mm. I'd be dead. Mm. I realized that Joyce, who had been working for us for the last twenty years now, if she had this, she'd be dead. Mm. And and that turned my life around because yeah. what happened was I said, so so if 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 a white boy like me could have this, and we've got the capability in this country. To, to to deliver this to our people, yeah. why is it not happening? Why are people dying? And like I said to you earlier, I've had in the last month I've had three, four people die the, in in our support groups. And stuff like started, so so my passion has become about about exactly that. And and the biggest thing that came out of this this whole thing for me is so if we do have a failing, you know, like people think that I'm. Uh, um, health system is failing if we have that what do we do to stop this how Mm -hmm. do we do this help us Mm -hmm. and what we found was was that education and early detections were two of the biggest things specifically in head and neck in south africa at the moment we are the capital for esophageal cancer in the world and it's very big amongst our black male community Mm -hmm. our drive now is to get into those communities and help those people do early detection Help those families and change their lives now, and not let them go through go through one part of what I went through, and not have the support. Sure. Um, I've got a I've got a girl that's brother is lying in in Medusa, um Hospital in Pretoria right now. Um, he was detected, but his tumour was not sorted out in the last six months, and now he he's got he's been put into palliative care because now there's nothing they can do for oh, him. No. So, that's the passion. That's where we, what we want to do. We and Howard, is you.
1: that Cancer Heroes? Is that Yes.
3: So, so Cancer Canada. Heroes, so Cancer Heroes is a, um, is a foundation that we, we established. Um, Face Value Foundation, which is the, um, the specialist head and neck group, yes. um, is incorporate, yes. incorporated into that. We have multiple support groups now. Um, one of our, actually one of our, our girls that, um, that had brain cancer, um Charmaine, um down in, in East London. She she has started our, our East and Cape um support group now. Wow.
1: Um
3: yeah, it's 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 really growing. Well, it's yeah. incredible yeah. Howard yeah.
1: so um it's not just for people with head and neck cancer.
3: No, no. Um, you know, we learnt so much out of head and neck. So all the things that I learned, and the people around me that are involved with head and neck. I mean, Rob Rob Tolbery uh, that that's doing the top one, playing the top one hundred golf courses in South Africa, and we're connecting with the communities around it, and then the rural communities around it. Um, he's learned so much through this. That's, you know, that's what it's about, and and applying that. Yeah. You
1: know. Wow, Howard, what what a story! What a story! We wish you, we wish you great health um but most of all that that burning spirit that burns very bright inside of you just continues and that you light up so many people's lives which you are doing yeah, um thanks. which is incredible so thank you thank you for coming into the studio thank you for sharing your story and please do visit the website www.cancer-heroes.com and find out more what a what a still a job you're doing howard
3: no also awesome, man thanks for the opportunity to just Get it out there and yeah. and people need to be educated and and if we can help people detect things early, we can change lives.
1: Absolutely. That's really what it's about. Thank you, Howard. Thank you so much for joining awesome. us. Um, Howard Butler on 101.9 High FM. Really, just talking about a cancer we haven't really mentioned on the show before and I'm sure you've gained so much from it. Um, so please do check out all those websites and YouTube channels and thank you so much for joining me. I've really enjoyed being with you this week. From me, Nikki Seberini, until next week. Take care.